Welcome all to the Men of Sorrow's Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Our podcast is committed to supporting and encouraging men to process their grief in order to heal and return to joyful living in the midst of great sadness. Although it is directed toward men, all are welcome to tune in and participate. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Isaiah 51 declares Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Today I'm going to talk about finding the new normal. Um, I I just got back from, I went to an educator's workshop. You know that I'm a, I'm a school teacher and an associate pastor of a church ministry. So the, the school district sent us to the Marine Corps, the Paris Island Recruit Depot for the United States Marine Corps. That's the official title. We went to Paris Island for an educator's workshop, and we went and followed the footsteps of what a recruit goes through, beginning with the drill sergeants getting us off the bus early in the morning, yelling at us in our face, processing us, and then they had us marching. We marched everywhere we went, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. As you know, in 2019, my son, Corporal Liam John Lloyd of the United States Marine Corps, um, took his life, and that is part of my journey. Um, So going, going to this workshop, I hadn't been to Paris Island, I think, the last time I was there was probably because Liam was stationed there for a short time, a couple years, and I went to visit him a couple times and got to go around the island when I was there. He took me into work with him and I had a guest pass. But this time it was much, much different. And the, the Marine Corps, I, my hats off to them in every single way. What a class organization. They seek excellence in all they do. It's a culture. And I remember that from Liam. I didn't really know exactly what to expect going. You know, I went, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. I thought it might be healing. I thought it might be cathartic on some level. You know, but to be honest, I realized when I was there that I found the new normal. It was much less emotional than I thought. I was inspired. I was in awe of the Marines. I might have gotten choking, choked up a couple of times. I was there with people who had never been on the island. I was there with a good friend of mine that I work with. And I was watching his reactions a lot. And there was a lot to do. And... I think 2011, maybe 2012 was the last time I was up there. And so how many years? That's 12 years ago. So I've changed quite a bit. I went from being in my late 40s to being 60 years old in that time. <laughs> so it was, but it was great. I, I did the propel wall. I, I marched. I did the sand pit where you get punished and you have to do these crazy exercises I wanted to do it all I wanted to be all in some of the things I couldn't do and that surprised me at my age it was kind of a blow to my ego but that's all right the the ego has to go (laughs) but anyway when I was there I think the one thing I did realize is that I have 
I have found the new normal. Um, I didn't feel a great need to talk about Liam. And when I say need, I didn't. I, I did. One was asked if anyone had ever been here. Um, did anyone have any family members or anyone that served? I answered questions. And I didn't tell them right away unless they asked and probed more like, what's your son doing now? I would have to tell them. And I had a lot of sympathy. Um, but on, on another level, I, didn't, I did not need to talk about Liam. And I thought I might have talked about him more. But what I realized is that um, I have found the new normal in my life. And that's the term, that term, I, I first heard that term when my, my wife's dad died, actually. Um, Ken Marvel, God rest his soul. And my, my wife, Carrie Ann, said to me, well, we, we've got to find the new normal now. And that was the first time I heard that. It made sense. I didn't know exactly what it was. And now I know. Now for me, thinking that I found it doesn't mean that I've necessarily found it. I don't know. I, I could. I think I'm there. But you never know. So what I wanted to do was just kind of share my process and what I think the new normal is and what it might not be. I know that we all grieve differently. We all process differently. All of our circumstances surrounding our loved one's death is different. So in sharing my process, I know that no two are alike. All I can do with you and for you is share my experiences as others have shared their experiences with me. I remember, for example, my good friend of mine, John Hales, he said when I was leaving the service, he cooked for Liam's uh, memorial service out at Freedom Ranch and he donated all his time and energy and when I was saying goodbye to him he said you know grief is in your face it's going to be in your face for a while but then it trails off to the side so that was his experience and he shared that with me and I waited and looked for that and it I, I realized yeah now now the grief was in my face now it's kind of trailing behind me a little bit trying to get my attention all the time so there were, there's different phases. So the new normal, what is the new normal? What does that mean when it's talking about grief? Well, the new normal is adjusting. First of all, it's adjusting to the absence of your loved one. It's adjusting physically. It's adjusting emotionally, spiritually. It's on all those levels. You're adjusting to their absence. And it's different for everybody. It's adjusting to routine. It's adjusting to calling them. It's adjusting to not be able to talk to them, see them, hear them, touch them. It's, a, it's adjusting and accepting the circumstances that surround their death, which overlaps with the second and third points concerning peace. But it's adjusting to their absence physically. First of all, physically, they're absent. Now, for me, my son had been absent from me quite a bit. He went in the Marine Corps. I didn't see him. I only visited him twice while he was in, so he was away for five years. So when he was 18, he left home. 
he, so his, his lack of presence in my home wasn't something new to me. But his lack of presence, being able to call him, being able to make plans, being able to talk to him on the phone, being able to see him physically ever again. Yeah, I had to adjust to that. But let's look at my mom. My dad passed away in 2021. They were married 61 years, I believe. They were together for 66, but for 61 years, they woke up almost every day in bed next to each other for 61 years. So that's a big adjustment physically to have my dad's presence no longer there. In the last eight years, in their retirement, they woke up and they had a routine of morning coffee, morning paper, morning chit-chat. So that is, is a huge adjustment physically for my mom and a change in routine. So it's adjusting to the change in routine for many of us. It's adjusting to the lack of ever seeing them again, that, that, that powerlessness you feel that you can't ever hug them, touch them, talk to them ever again in this life. So it's adjusting, but it's also adjusting spiritually and emotionally. You know, my, my faith tradition tells me that Liam's okay now, he's perfected, he's glorified, he's in heaven. I don't ever have to worry about him again. And at times I start praying for him as though he was here. So that's an adjustment. And I have to say, oh yeah, Liam's, Liam's fine. I mean, there are some faith traditions that I, I, I think believe that prayer can affect the, the next life, the, the eternal realm. I don't necessarily think about that one way or the other. When I think about praying for Liam, I'm praying as though he were present and then I have to remember that he's not. So finding the new normal is, is adjusting and accepting the lack of presence. It's adjusting and, and accepting it. It's adjusting to it. And it's a long process. And I don't think it's ever perfected. But you will know when you get to that place where you, you're comfortable and you found the new normal. It doesn't mean you have to like it. Finding the new normal also includes finding peace and joy in life. And when we talk about finding peace, we're talking about peace, inner peace, that, that homeostasis of the soul that, as my late friend Ronaldo Stokes used to always say, copacetic is one of his favorite words for saying that he was at peace, he was okay. It's having that inner peace, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it's also having peace concerning the circumstances surrounding their death, our loved one's death. It's, it's reconciling it because sometimes the death seems to make no sense. If, if your child or loved one got hit by a drunk driver, it's hard to make peace with that. You can become very bitter against the selfishness of the drunk driver and, 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 and hate them and want to get back at them and having that type of thing dog you. Forgiving that person for your own sake. Making peace 
with the circumstances surrounding their death, no matter how unjust or terrible it seemed. And for me, with, with suicide, that complicates things. You know, in my dad's case, people would say things like, well, he lived a long life. He, he lived a long life, you know, 80, 83 years. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. He lived a long life. And that's true. And that's maybe easier to accept. When your 29-year-old son commits suicide, that was hard for me to make peace with. For one, he didn't want to be here anymore. And part of you takes that as rejection. But two, to say that God called them home when they took matters into their own hands, which really was the original problem that all of us have in the garden. Eve and Adam, they were encouraged to take things into their own hands, to take control, to say, my will, God, not thy will be done. So that Liam's act of suicide was he didn't want to be here. He rejected me. But how could I say that that's God calling him home? How could I say, you know, God didn't do that. He did it. Well, what about a, a car accident? Or some other freak accident? I can see people having a hard time reconciling that. So finding the new normal is being at peace and understanding that there's a bigger picture. That understanding that God, who Richard Rohr at one point called the great allower, Meaning he allows, if you look at the world, God allows a lot of crap to go down around here. We often say God's in control. Well, he is in control. I believe that as far as the big picture is concerned, but he's not controlling and he certainly isn't a micromanager. He, he doesn't micromanage this world. So one thing that I saw, though, after hearing testimonies of people saying that they really believed God intervened. Two people, and I'm friends with them now, that tried to take their own lives the same way Liam did with a, with a pistol. The guns jammed, and there was no reason for the guns to jam. In fact, the one person, after it jammed, put it away from him, pointed it towards the ground and shot it, and it went off. So what I saw there, and this is how God brought me to a place of peace, was that you often hear of people that they say that they got miraculously healed from cancer or the people that talked about little things that happened that kept them from going into the towers on 911. And they say God intervened. They believe with all their hearts that God intervened. And what I realized is that when God does intervene and stops, jams the gun, allows the gun to be jammed, when he does intervene, it's not that person's time. But when he doesn't intervene, he is calling that person home. And I kind of found peace with the circumstances surrounding Liam's death and are able to leave it with God. Finding peace does not mean all your questions are answered. Finding peace does not mean that the circumstances are crappy. Finding peace means that you can leave some questions unanswered. 
that you trust God with the big picture, the trajectory that we are all on. A few podcasts back, the endless possibilities of eternity, finding peace with the circumstances and the timing and everything. We have to honor God's timing of our loved one's departure. And one of the things that scripturally I can point you to is the Christology in Colossians chapter 1 is beautiful. Colossians chapter 1 talks about the supremacy of Christ and him holding all things together and being before all things, in all things. And it says in there that he has reconciled all things to himself. Now, there's another passage in Corinthians chapter 5 where it talks about that God reconciled us to himself that he was in Christ reconciling us to himself, the human race. There, reconciling means, to, recon to reconcile means to become warm, intimate friends again, to be in an intimate, personal relationship again, reconcile. So a thing, though, can't be reconciled in that way. But here in Colossians chapter 1, when it says that he's reconciled all things, all means all. All means all. So for me, in reconciling Liam's death, it means that in the big picture, it fits. In the big picture, it makes sense. In God's overall plan for all of humanity, all things have been reconciled. And our loved one's death fits in there somehow. And we, we're at peace to leave it with God, to know that whether we live or die, we belong to God. Jesus holds the keys of hell and death, and death does not take God by surprise, and we make peace with the circumstances surrounding our loved one's death that where we could leave it with God. We never have to like it, but we can be at peace knowing that God has all of us, and in him all things hold together, and in him all things make sense. It's also finding joy in life. Finding the new normal is, is being joyful. I'm not talking about happiness because it's not happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Happiness depends on happenings. You win the lottery, you're happy for a little while. <sighs> joy is different. Joy is this constant, great, it goes along with hope. I believe joy and hope are two sides of the same coin. And it's a confident expectation of your future. It's a knowing that all things are okay. And it's this feeling of, of contentment and this, this, this joy close to happiness, but different than happiness. Because it also means that the sadness doesn't go away. Finding the new normal doesn't mean you're not sad anymore. But that sadness is blended with this joy. If the sadness goes away, so might compassion and empathy. You're changed forever. You're never going to be the same. That's why it's a new normal. But this new normal could be a beautiful thing to where you empathize with people. You love people. You're, you're, you're wounded. You're broken. And you're able to be compassionate and loving and understand the pain that people are going through, understand the sadness. 
sadness, the joy that I have, and I, I, I always say that it's hard to explain, but I have this great joy mixed with this eternal sadness that's always there. And it's learning to live in that, in that joy. And joy, again, is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy, again, peace and joy, hope, they all, they all kind of blend together in this beautiful symphony of life. So finding the new normal is accepting and adjusting to the loss, to the lack of presence. It's finding peace and joy in life. It's not, a, it's not an absence of sadness. Sadness will always be there. But the blend with joy makes you more of a tender person, a compassionate person, a loving person. And then also finding the new normal might include honoring and ritual, something that you do to honor or remember the person. Um, for example, I don't want to just talk about uh, loved ones in my family. Uh, the birthday of a departed loved one, they make his favorite cake <laughs> and they do a shot of his favorite whiskey every birthday. They don't say, oh, this is a hard day or let's just forget this day. They say this is still the person's birthday. We're going to honor and we're going to remember them. And that is one of their rituals. Other people have little kind of like something of a memorial somewhere in the house. I have my son's folded flag that they gave me at his memorial service that the Marines folded and gave to me. And it's very meaningful. I'm looking at it right now. It's in my office. Um, for my dad, you know, my dad, one of the things that he taught me growing up, we had a, we had a fireplace and we, that was a great time for the family to gather and be together and make fires in the winter. My dad taught me how to chop the wood, make the fires. I have an outdoor fireplace here in Florida where um, it wasn't working exactly right. And my dad, when he came, he redesigned it and said, Look, it needs a draft here and you got to open this part up. He showed me what to do and we had a great fire. Whenever I make a fire and sit by the fire, I think of my dad. That's that's something that I don't we don't really do as a family something on a yearly basis. But for me, that time by the fire is always I always think of my dad. I talk to him and I talk to Liam. That's another thing, you know, in, in the Christian realm that's a little shaky where Christians have differing opinions, but I I I talk to them not worshiping or praying to them. I talk to them. I, I have to, I sense that they know or that they're able to visit. I, I'm not sure what exactly goes on, but I know I can talk to them. And sometimes I feel my dad laughing with me about things. Liam too. When I was up on that repel wall, 40 feet high in Paris Island, because I felt like Liam had something to do with me going there. I was like, all right, Liam, is this why you brought me here? to take you want me to come to you now this is how i'm going out it was scary for me but you know so for my dad it's always when i'm by the fire i think of him um, i honor him i talk to him for liam liam loved the marine corps he loved the military history of this country liam always would go out of his way 
when we were in a store, if he saw a veteran with a hat on or a shirt, he would thank them for their service. And so that's something that I do to remember and honor Liam. I, I try, I go out of my way to I'll even reroute the way I'm walking in the store <laughs> to say thank you for your service to a, to a service member. That's something that I do. Um, and again, I talk to Liam whenever I feel like it. Um, we don't have any big yearly rituals that we do on their birthday or their death date. But I, I think of Liam. Um, my dad, around Christmas time, he would always go to his parents' graves and lay wreaths. So there's things that we do. A ritual, a uh, habit that we fall into, something that we do to remember that person. I often look at Liam's memorial video that I made. I look at pictures all the time of my dad. So whatever it is for you on the person's birthday, um, on the person's favorite holiday, um, something. Um, pouring one out. People have a drink in the person's name and they, they pour one out. There's all sorts of things that you can do um, because we don't... Uh, I'm not, a, I want to talk about Liam. <laughs> a lot of times people, if I bring it up, they think, oh, that's uncomfortable and it might be uncomfortable for them. So then I shut up. I don't know. But I don't think, you know, I don't want people to ever think mentioning Liam or talking about him is uncomfortable. Oh, there is one, there is one thing that I, I might, I, th I think I could call it a ritual or, or something. One of our favorite, my favorite Christmas memory of all time is when Liam was 11 years old and I, I went up to New Jersey. We drove up and we had my best friend, Johnny Darcy. He, um, anyway, Liam, they thought they were getting some present that I left in John Darcy's garage over the summer. And um, Liam popped out of the box and my mother was screaming and going crazy. And I, I post that every Christmas since, since he left us. So I guess that would be maybe... <laughs> Around Christmas time, I have that as as a ritual of posting that memory. My mom keeps telling me to put it on America's Funniest Home Videos, so I think we might do that. I got to look to see if they're around. I think they're on one of the game shows or something. They still might be out there, so look for that. If you know of anything, you can contact me too about America's Funniest Home Videos. Anyway, those are just the four points. By no way have I exhausted the idea of finding the new normal, but it is adjusting to the absence of your loved one, adjusting physically, adjusting emotionally, adjusting spiritually. It's finding peace and joy in life again. It's not a lack of sadness, which I don't think ever goes away. And finding rituals or ways of honoring and remembering. And remembering only the good memories. In the beginning, any argument that I had with Liam, any disagreement, any time I might have hurt his feelings, haunted me. They dogged me. They've trailed off. They've gone away. And the best memories, the greatest memories, and the best things about him and my relationship with him have emerged. So... Um, Happy New Year to everybody. I know that I've been intermittent with 
the posting and the dates of this podcast, but we do have some great guests lined up for January and February, and we're going to get a couple of um, our folks that have been on to, to touch base with us again and let us know what they've been doing. But I want to thank you for listening, and if you are a griever, if you have lost a loved one recently, my heart goes out to you. You will be in my prayers. Contact me. If you need to talk, I will listen. And if you're new to this, reach out. My email and phone number are in the show notes. So you can reach out to me and, and talk. Uh, I, I promise you I will listen because I know that I had to tell my story about five million times. <laughs> and um, I know that there was a lot of healing in that part of it. So until then, remember God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. And nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs>